0: Welcome into Grinding True Crime. I'm your host Todd Fox tonight. Again, this is usually where Matty Matt is in the driver's seat, and he takes you along through the intro and says what platforms we're on. But uh, I'm not going to step on his toes. I'm just going to give you a brief summary because again, uh, they're they're still out. Uh, they had a death in the family over a week ago, so uh, you know they they're taking their time until they come back and we're giving them space. They told us to keep on with the story. And with a show, I should say. So, we're going to do that moving forward here. And uh, I brought back a special guest, which is the famous Randy Yaz. If you haven't seen his work on our Grinding True Crime YouTube page, I suggest you check it out there. And also, one Jets pod, if you're into football, he covers not only the Jets, but all of the NFL. So, like and subscribe if you can. If you like what Randy does, say hi to uh, everybody, Randy. Hey,
1: what's going on everybody? Todd, I appreciate you bringing me back. Had a blast last time. I mean, that story, uh, yeah, that one kind of tugged at your heart feels a little bit, but, uh, I'm looking forward to another juicy story. I love this stuff. Man, you know, I, edit it literally i edit one every week you know and i just get into it you guys tell great stories and you know even though they're not so great you know as you you know with everything that's going on but the way you guys tell them is great so i'm looking forward to hearing another one i'm looking forward to being here and and uh entertaining your lovely audience
0: (laughs) appreciate it man yeah it's it's been one of those things where you know the stories just being you know we don't write the stuff like we only add in our tidbits like we usually do like you know this is the first time you're going to be hearing this story so you know it's it's one of those things where it's the reaction show that's what we love about it and uh, exactly def- definitely miss Matt and Gabby but they'll be back and Randy you've been a great fill-in. we really appreciate that and um appreciate it. before we get started uh you know uh you, you know where to find us on Podbean uh Apple Google Play uh you know uh, iHeartRadio all those 500 ones that usually Matt <laughs> <announces>. <laughs> And then uh, look for our merch uh, coming in March. Also, we're gonna do a live coming back here as soon as they come back. That should be uh, next week or the week after. Hopefully, Uh, we'll we'll do a live episode too to catch up with everybody. And you know, live episodes are pretty cool. We get to interact and get your questions and even your calls. So, with that being said, Randy, let's get started on our story tonight, shall we?
1: We shall.
0: All right, so we are going to stay in the United States, and we are going to stay close to, well, we've done a couple stories lately in Arkansas, and this one's going to be no different. It's going to be on the northern tip of Arkansas, very close to Tennessee, Okay, uh, the northeast side, and uh, we're going to be focusing on an area that is very famous if you're in the mid-south, and that's Horseshoe Lake.
1: Horseshoe Lake, okay.
0: Yeah, Horseshoe Lake has, uh, and I'll give you, you know, a brief summary of of Horseshoe Lake and its history. Um, Very famous battles with uh, United States Union um, uh, soldiers and Native Americans who called that area home. It's very beautiful land. Um, You know, it was later cultivated uh, farmland and cotton fields. But back in the day, it was ripe with crops, uh, right on the lake. Very picturesque, beautiful weather. Um, You know, it's just it's just a very very nice area of of Arkansas, and it it still is a tourist attraction to this day, which we'll get involved. uh, We'll talk about. Okay. Um, Civil War. uh, A couple famous battles were fought on Horseshoe Lake in eighteen twelve. Um. There's a lot of swampy marshes. A lot of people. It's in Crittenden County uh, right there, Arkansas. And they, some people still go over there and, and claim to see um, soldiers, you know, like ghosts and spirits. So it's got that attraction to it as well.
1: You hear a lot about stuff like that with those Civil War uh, areas and stuff, man. It's just, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, there's, there's uh, you know, because of the amount of carnage. You know yeah. what I mean? and that yeah. happened in those wars. A lot of people don't understand the amount of lives that were lost in that war. Whereas, basically, again, the Civil War was America fighting itself.
1: Nope. Yep. So,
0: so yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty crazy. If you go back and you don't know your Civil War history, I suggest you sharpen up on it. It's pretty crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to talk about a very famous family who, to this day, I don't know if you've ever heard of. The famous Peabody Hotel down in downtown Memphis, Randy.
1: Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I've heard of it.
0: Yeah, it's one of the staples. This family mm-hmm. helped built it, the Snowden family. So, okay. and they're pretty—they're pretty big in the um, in that area, uh, the, the mid-South area. So there's, you know, they were famous for a lot of things. They still are today. Their their families had uh, the Snowden family had a hand in a lot of politics back in the day. And uh, a lot of uh, war stuff, war efforts, and also in building famous things uh, and monuments downtown in Memphis and in the Arkansas area. So
1: Very influential family, huh?
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Okay.
0: So uh, we're going to start with Robert Brinkley Snowden. Now, keep in mind at this time, Robert Brinkley Snowden is pretty big in that area of the Mid-South in the eighteen 18- uh, late 1800s and his grandfather started that whole area you know like like putting his his stamp on everything, building their wealth and robert brinkley snowden was uh w- was one of the developers and builders like i said of the peabody hotel and before you guys get too crazy and i'm doing a story from the early 1900s it's not this story <laughs> this story's going to um our, our crimes are going to take place in the 90s and The, just a few the late years 1900s. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Not the late 1800s. So there you go. <laughs> because some people don't like those older old cases. You know what I mean? The turn of the century ones. Yeah. So um, those, can be,
1: those can be fun too.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. There's some crazy ones. Yeah. There's still a couple that we haven't done yet, and we'll get into. But uh, yeah.
1: You ever, you ever, you ever need an audience? You know, a, a guest host for one of them real old old 1920s, 1930s? Hit me up, man. I love that era.
0: All right, all right, you got it, you got it. All right. Um, so let's talk about in 1896. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, Robert would uh no, Bob would go on to have a uh, a son, or Robert would go on to have a son called uh Robert Bogardus Bob Snowden Jr. Wow. Yeah, That's what a name, right? <laughs> and uh, he was born in 1896. Uh, by the time of the first World War, um. Midway through it, at the age of 18 years old, he became a fighter pilot for the United States uh, uh, Army wow. and or Navy. And uh, he began to, you know, he was one of the first pioneers or at least one of the first pilots that got a lot of, rec- you know, uh, uh, awards for his battle. You know, he was battle tested, never shot down. Mm-hmm. And uh, before he left, he met a grace Whitney Mountcastle, who was also from a very influential family at the time in Tennessee. Um, when he got back, cause she, she stayed, she, she waited for him. And when the war was over, and it was about 18 uh, or 1918, 1919 around there. Um, he got back and they spent a little time with each other and they wound up getting married. Okay. Um, He went to college and, uh, you know, he, he worked, uh, to get his, his entrepreneurial, you know, uh, finances and working on what kind of, you know, life he wanted to live and, and just trying to get his, uh, his sense of, he wanted to build his own path, path. He didn't want to follow his father. He wanted to make his own path. And his wife was a, a nurse. She became a medical assistant. So they were, they were making money right off the bat because he got into, um, farming and he became really good at it and to the point that going to college he was able to come up with i mean he's just a smart guy uh pesticides that the early pesticides to kill uh you know when they when they have some sort of like uh, when locusts would come around or beetles because they have that stuff in the mid-south or just to kill off you know vermin or whatever that would try to eat the crops or the cotton fields and, and tear up what they had planted and he was selling this to you know, places all over the United States. So he's making money, you know, okay. and at this time, you know, he, he has that farm that he has, um, in Memphis, he moves it to horseshoe Lake. He finds a spot there and he, he's, he, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna build a home. Like one of those, uh, notebook style homes, gotcha. for, you know, with a big, big pillars like Louisiana style. Mm-hmm. And he built one of those right on horseshoe Lake, but as a, but it was a farmhouse at first. And then he built it up as they went along. He got over a thousand acres of land and was just planting soybean and and cotton and just raking in the money. Just he was he was doing really good. Wow. So um, so the, far so good. Yeah, so far so good. <laughs> and right. um, the Snowdens they began to uh, slowly but surely back off the huge amount of acres of land devoted to farming. And they started putting homes when the family got bigger for their kids to stay on, on other parts of the land. They started building up that Snowden house to where it became like a Mecca, like dignitaries would come down to to have parties. They'd have weddings there. It just turned into like the place to be. And it had such a beautiful view of the, like I said, the lake. There's a lot of things to do. And it was just this, you know, just this beautiful area. And and you, you couldn't deny it it was just they were building an empire and he kept like getting into new things and meeting new people he was rising to prominence he didn't he didn't go into politics but he was just a fixture you know what i mean
1: gotcha sounds like he just like to stay busy
0: yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> and um the snowden the snowdens wound up having four kids um a son's uh, another son sarah and three three daughters: Sarah, Edith, and Dorothy. Um, the family grew up in a lot of wealth, like I said, um, and and they were just in privilege. The kids really didn't have to work; they were able to travel all over the world. You know, everything was going good. Um, then other people started to move into the Horseshoe Lake area, like that were not on the farm the, the acres, but they wanted to buy homes around it and
1: outsiders
0: exactly (laughs) so so literally a a community came up of of just the snowdens turned into a community and now to present day there's over 300 people living there but little homes here and there that turned into big mansions over the years were starting to build up so the real estate was still expensive there was no crime there it's just beautiful it's you know, they're making charitable contributions to many causes in the Mid-South. They, they at, as they were slave owners back in the day, they, they were one of the first families over in that time to actually speak out about it and be like, hey, you know what? Let's not have slaves anymore. Let's not have, you know, treat black people bad. And they right, began right. To, to turn, they began to become a voice of reason when the South was still trying to carry on that tradition, you
1: know? Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: So, as we're setting up the story so far, what do you think of everything that's gone on right now?
1: I mean, this sounds like a hardworking, you know, American family that just—they sound like good people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, and that's that was the the whole thing with them. They were served his country. Yeah, served his country. Very down to earth. Had respectable kids, even though they were silver spoon. They weren't disrespectful as they grew up. They went on to accomplish things. They went to college.
1: Like you said, activists for, for, for slaves and, and black people, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. So um, in 1982, our, our guy who started everything on Horseshoe Lake, Robert Bob Snowden, died. So so he, he passed away. He lived a long life. I mean, born in 1896, made it to 1982.
1: Not bad, right? you year before I was born.
0: Two years after I was born.
1: Wow, you old man.
0: <laughs> yeah, <I'm really laughs> <smart> for sure. <laughs> so, uh, so he died of natural causes, and then um, okay. his wife went on to go seven more years. She died in eight, uh, 1989. Okay. But before she died, um, the empire had grown, like I said, they had pesticides, they had um, actual planting seeds by that time to, for other farmers to use on their crops or to use to grow their crops. Um, They got into uh, some machinery stuff too. Um, They had turned the Snowden house in 1990 after the mom died into a bed and breakfast and just this luxurious place to rent for like, if you had the money to have like an all out wedding, like one of these notebook style weddings, Gotcha, okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and and throwing big parties if you were someone important. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. the family had built bigger homes across the, the territory, but that main Snowden home was now another moneymaker in their empire. So the son didn't want anything to do with it, um, Bob's only son. So the three daughters ran the empire. They split it into three, three spots and just ran it like that, right? see. So, at this time, um, you know, um, Sarah, who we're going to focus in on in this story, one of the daughters, she was a wild card, and she had been married two or three times, she couldn't settle down, or or nobody could handle her, it's, 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 she was described as someone that was very active, very uh, smart, but was always on the go, always traveled, she only came back to the Horseshoe Lake area when her mom was about to pass away. Other than that, she was living in Nevada. She was traveling the world. She was doing funky things, um, on her 70th birthday. Cause remember her, you know, she's, she's up in age, you know, too. But on her 70th birthday, she celebrated by going off the Gulf coast, renting a 43 a foot yacht with her, with her, um, friends and going naked snorkeling. Oh I mean, wow. Well, that's 70 years old, right?
1: Good for her. Going out with a bang.
0: Right? She's <laughs> she's enjoying life. I mean, you can't, yeah. you can't hate her for that, right? No, absolutely not. Yeah. And she was uh when she came back, she was loved in the community. Uh everyone was like, "Oh, Miss Sally." They would call her Miss Sally, everybody. Okay.
1: Miss Sally, okay.
0: Yeah. So she was and uh, so she Came back and and you know, like I said, ran things. She took over the Snowden House. Um, you know, she she was just a real spunky old woman, and but she always had a smile on her face. And uh, so, you know, as time went on, you know, they they everything's doing you know going good. Seven years pass. It's uh, almost nineteen ninety six. They've had a few movies filmed at the Snowden House by this time. Um, they've gotten heirlooms from the civil war in the home. So the home feels like really rustic old, but it's done up beautifully. If you see the pictures online, it's a gorgeous house. Um, so here's the thing. You've edited a lot of our videos or, or audio and mm-hmm. you know what happens when we bring up a date, right? Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, there's been a murder.
0: Exactly. So, let's start it then. Uh,
1: Everything was going so well too,
0: right? Right. I mean, it's like (laughs) it's like here. Here, Todd had to go and screw (laughs) it up. (laughs) So, September tenth, nineteen ninety six. This is one day before I turned uh, sixteen. Wow. Yeah. Um, a local in the area because, like uh, again, by this time, there's maybe only 300, 300 residents or something in the neighborhood of Horseshoe Lake. Okay. So everybody knows everybody. And this guy by the name of Bobby Cox was driving down the road. And uh, he's driving about a mile from the Snowden house, and he's trying to get back into town. And he sees a car, a red Toyota, just in a ditch. And he's like, Hey! That's kind of strange, and, oh. he, and he pulls over, and <laughs> one of
1: the Johnsons on
0: vacation. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that area only had one cop.
1: Oh wow! wow. Yeah, for three hundred people, I guess. That's yeah, one name Andy Griffin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, let's hope it's Andy, not Barney, right?
1: <laughs> There's a bullet, in his pocket.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, hold on! I got to put my bullet in my gun. <laughs>
1: Oh
0: man! And <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, he sees the red car, and he notices that there's, uh, you know, it's it's still on, and it's it's sort of like on its side in a ditch. It hit a tree, and it looks like someone's head had bounced off the windshield.
1: Oh shoot!
0: Yeah, and so the, so he's looking, and he's looking in the marsh. He doesn't know whose it is, but he's like, did someone crawl out? Did they walk away? You know, he doesn't see any blood, per se, so he's like, it's kind of like freaking him out because, again, this is Horseshoe Lake. Nothing ever happens. You know, it's usually you're just there to live your life, work, and it's beautiful. And that's it. Yep. So he decides to drive into town, and he goes to a... Um, uh, one of those little gas stations that has the one attendant because it's the mid-south mm-hmm. and he drives up there and meets old Levi and Levi's kicking it right there. He's like, "Road it be unleaded super unleaded. And then, uh, you know, Bobby's like, or he's like, Hey man, there's a car in the ditch right over there. Do you know who drive it? And then he's like,
1: oh, man, we are in Johnsonville.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Levi's like, what color is the car? <laughs> and then Bobby's like, "It's red. It's a Toyota. Hey, that's Miss Sally's car. Is she okay? No, I can't find her. Well, let's go see if we can." And so oh, they man. jump in the car and they put on the Dukes of Hazard and they drive over there. You know, <laughs> with the music, you know. <laughs>
1: <trying to> go, <laughs> <laughs> it's, like,
0: it's the good old boy. <laughs> um, oh
1: man! So we're looking for Miss Sally.
0: Yes, they're looking for Miss Sally. So they get back to the car, and again, they, they look, they search around the car. They don't see anything. They're like, well, if that's Miss Sally, you know, she's 70 years old. She she couldn't have got that far. Right. <clears throat> so then the two obviously know where Miss Sally lives. It's not directly the, the Snowden house, but Miss Sally has a home about maybe a half mile from the actual Snowden house on the property. So they drove up the road, and they're looking for Miss Sally at the house when when they get to her home and uh, you know they, they get to Sally's car and there's something that looks weird um, at the front uh, front door they have there's uh, Lee Baker who is Sally's nephew her s- sister Dorothy's son
1: mm-hmm.
0: his pickup truck is now picture this. this is weird too a front door of a nice home in the mid south you have a pickup truck parked all the way to the front door with it with its gate down but it's but it's touching the front door so oh, I could see if you're trying to move something out mm-hmm. and it's a few feet like it's a refrigerator or something heavy and you got the back the truck but this yeah. truck's on the lawn it's on the freaking uh, sidewalk leading to the front door and it's bed or the or the or the um, What is it called? The uh, the back end of the truck that lays down
1: tailgate.
0: There you go. I don't know why I forgot that, but yes, thank (laughs) you. (laughs) Tailgate. It's pushed against the door, so you can't get access to the front door. So it's yeah. So it's a little weird. So
1: and it's not down. It's up.
0: No, it's down. Oh, it's down and
1: it's blocking the door.
0: Correct, it's touching the door. Like the oh, is. got
1: you. Okay. Yeah,
0: and so they're they're like tripping. They're like, "What's the purpose of this?" You know. Mm-hmm. So as they're scratching their head and probably their butts at the same time, <laughs> they they are like, "Hey, what's going on here?" So so they start looking through the windows and they really don't see nothing at first, but then one of them goes over and sees some smoke, and he goes to get to the back door. He climbs a fence tries to open the back door and it's hot. So right away they get back in the car. And, and again, this is 1996 is, you know, what are they going to do? Page the only police officer. They have to drive to another home a mile down wow. and call nine one one. So they get back to the house. Here comes the only cop in town. Here comes, uh, you know, the fire department. They get there and they break in and the same guy. <laughs> no. No, but what they see is unfortunately two burning bodies.
1: Oh no. Oh gross.
0: Yeah, in the kitchen and uh one of the rooms. Uh are they had both been shot in the head and execution style and it looked like the the place had been robbed the fire did not spread for whatever reason. I don't know if they used the right lighter. I think it was, they didn't use gasoline. They, they used a rubbing alcohol. Oh, so, um, the fire didn't go too far. So, um, this is the first homicides outside of anything happening with a civil war. So in the horseshoe Lake area.
1: Wow. I bet (sighs) you that shook that little town.
0: Oh yeah. 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 And, um, so, so, uh, oh, this was Edith's uh, son, not not Dorothy. I'm sorry, it was Edith's son. Okay. And, and uh, this this sucked too because real quick on, you know, on on the son, the nephew, Lee, um, he was 52 years at the, 52 years old at the time. He had two teenage kids and one nine year old, right, mm-hmm. and a wife. And he was a very good blues musician who was just then getting money mu- or getting famous because he had worked in the background with some pretty big players. He even played with BB King once one time oh, or two. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. So, so he was trying to break out even at the age of 52, like he didn't want to be under the umbrella of working for his whole life for the family. So unfortunately he was one of these guys that didn't trust the banks and six months prior, he put all his money in a in a, a safekeeping in his house on the Snowden family residence, or, or he wasn't living in the Snowden family residence. He was living in Memphis, and his house caught on fire, which was arson. At the time, they don't know who did it. They don't know how it happened, but the firefighters said that it was it was arson. Problem is, all the money he had saved up was to go to his record label to start his record label and to start his musician career with his new band that was gaining traction, mm-hmm. he lost it all. Oh, dude. He lost all his instruments. He lost his studio. And he lost all, any kind of picture of him growing up or anything else like that. Like, Oh, dude, that things.
1: sucks. Memory's gone.
0: Memory's gone for sure. Oh. And see sarah had invited him or miss sally had invited him to move on to one of those homes on the property to get till his family got. and he didn't want to at first but his wife was like no you know you are family you know like he didn't want to take a handout you know and uh but but he decided okay fine you know i'll stay here just but just temporary until we get on our feet so he had been doing that and the sucky thing about everything that was lost including his life that day, his wife would tell the newspaper over there that when he was found dead, she had no pictures of him. That like, sucks, dude. Nothing to rem- remember him by. Wow. So, that, 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 that even, really... That's even
1: a photo for the obituary, bro.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Like, they just have a picture that... Came like if you look at look him up, it's like a very plain picture when he was way younger, and it was a family picture that I guess or they had gotten from college when he went to college, so yeah. it was nothing you know showing off his uh,
1: like he's wiped from exi- existence,
0: yeah, basically. Good yeah.
1: lord, that sucks, dude. Wow, wow,
0: yeah, so he. It, it was a tough time for his family and his wife had to pick up the pieces after that and then oh, girl. yes and, and then Sarah you know she's or, or miss Sally passing away you know she's one of the because she's one of the patriarchs now you know from Bob's family so the two daughters had to pick up the pieces uh police department and the FBI came in uh, because they were they were blown away by how could this murder happen right here? in a a famous area that doesn't have any crime. And, um, you know, they started to look into the past, you know, who's around the area, who has criminal records. Um, they, They began to focus in on a couple of people because a farmer had said that prior to Bobby Cox seeing that car in the ditch, there was two black kids that were pretty young racing down one of the farm roads in in Miss Sally's car. So right a, right away it turned the community against each other. You know, that area is, you know, black and white and um, it began to, you know, there was people pointing fingers and they were like, "Hey, you know, something had to happen here." And um, they looked into it and they looked into Lee's what Lee was doing for work at the time while he was working to be a musician, he was a school teacher at the local uh, school that he, he he was a substitute in Memphis, but he came over to that Crittenden County area and was able to be an, a full time English teacher as he was trying to work his money back. So they're looking at him. They're like, well, maybe there's some you know uh, tie in with him being a teacher. Maybe this is, has something to do. He pissed off a kid or something. You know, like if they're two young kids.
1: I don't mean to interrupt you, man, but they said they saw. Two kids driving Miss Sally's car down a dirt road? Mm-hmm. And nobody bothered to call that in?
0: Nope. I
1: let me tell you something, Johnson. Wee-haw!
0: <laughs>
1: Good Lord. Hot damn.
0: No, hey.
1: Normal business as usual.
0: Maybe Miss Sally just lets anybody drive her car. Okay.
1: <laughs> I guess so. Com- community vehicle. Jesus. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, that was just racking my brain. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. That, something's so out of the normal. Like, no, everybody's like,
0: well, all right. <laughs>
1: or toss it. All right. Yeah.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's what got me, too, when I, when I was reading this. I'm like, damn, dude. Like, like, nobody spoke up for a few days until it was public information that Miss Sally yeah. was dead. You know what I mean? So,
1: something feels fishy.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> they, <clears> throat> the, throat> police you know handed it over to real cops and real uh you know investigators and they were able to pull a palm print and a few other fingerprints from the car and um they start they went to this one kid who had a troubled past by the name of Edric, and they said someone's gonna go down for this you gotta take a polygraph and Edric was was innocent he he was just like all right man like don't rough me up, like like he was. He felt intimidated because the police wanted to solve this licky split, and they just figured, okay, young black teen, he has a, a troubled past a little bit. Let's take him in there, and we're not talking about troubled past as far as you know hurting someone, battery or nothing like that. We're talking about a kid who just has bad grades and maybe mouths off a little bit.
1: Gotcha. Just
0: like bad- any other normal teenager, right? Yeah. But this kid was being uh, singled out, so. He was interrogated, but fortunately for him, uh, they had nothing to hold him on. They were still looking at him, but then another kid came up because Travis Lewis was 15 and would turn 16 just a few days after the murder. Um, He had been getting into trouble lately uh, with fighting with kids at school. Um, He tried to punch a teacher. he was arrested twice for throwing rocks at the only police car in town. Wow! <laughs> so, um, real winner, huh? Yeah, Travis was not a really good kid, and the other link. There's two links that linked him to that Snowden house. His mom, uh, for the last 15 years, had been uh, and her mother, going back to, going back to uh, his grandmother, mm-hmm. had worked at the Snowden farm or facility or whatever at, in some capacity, whether okay. it was doing cleaning, whether it was farming. The family had roots there with the Snowdens, so they knew of the Snowden family, and they only lived blocks from the actual um, estate. So with that being said, also, Travis was a student in Lee Baker's English class. Ah. so they're So they're like, man, there's too many coincidences here. You know, too many things that are lining this this kid up. So um, everything was circumstantial, though they had you know the the fingerprints were kind of inconclusive, but the but the palm one, the palm one was the one that kind of like matched Travis. So they were like, okay, he was definitely in the car. You know, like like because the fingerprints didn't they were inconclusive. Yeah,
1: I mean, your fingerprints can't be on something if you if you weren't there.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, and, and they were and they were thinking, well, maybe these aren't Travis's. Maybe that the palm print matches with Travis, but the fingerprints don't. So maybe there is a second person here. Mm-hmm. So um, they would they would also get a little bit of blood spatter that matched Travis, and then some stuff that was really weird at the time. They never said the full evidence that they had on Travis. But uh, they were like, you know, we're not going to make this public record because he's a minor, but this is all that we're going to release. And um, the interesting thing is he would place himself there. He would say he was there for the robbery, but that he did not shoot the two. So this was getting the police upset because snitches get stitches, and he was not talking, bro. So he said that he didn't even light the fire for the bodies, that he was too busy looting the thing and was scared of the other person, but he would not give a name.
1: I mean, that just makes him just as guilty, though.
0: True. So so what do you think? Did Do you think there was a second person, based on what, what I said? Or, or do you think or do you think the guy's like, you know, I, I need glasses, and I saw... It looked like there was two. I got double vision. Or do you think he actually saw them?
1: I mean... You said there's two different sets of prints, though, right? Yeah, I mean there ha- <sighs> and here's there has good. to be two. I mean, unless
0: here's the other thing, bro. Real quick, I'll cut you off. But oh, you're good. Travis was not; he did not have any kind of like bump on his forehead because remember, someone's head hit that windshield, and he had no cuts, no nothing to his face. So they're thinking the other person had an injury of some sort.
1: Yeah, I mean there had there had to have been. I mean, I there had to have been two people. I mean, there's no way one per that all that could have done with one have happened to one person, and one guy's not doesn't have any kind of injuries, and and the palm print doesn't even match him, but the fingerprints do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. This is weird. I, I I I can't even begin to think like, or to begin to think like, what's going on right now. Like,
0: yeah, because some people in the mid south still believe there was two people. Some argue it that it was all Travis. So, despite that, when it went to court, the court was like, "All right, if you're gonna fall on the sword and you're not," and they they tried for a few months to, to, to get him to spill the beans. They even offered him a plea deal. And he was like, no, I'm not going to give it up. I'm not going to say who it is. It's just, you know, I wasn't the one. Like, like he kept taking... They were like, well, we could take the brunt away from you if you are confirmed not to be the shooter and didn't do the stuff. But you got to name the other person. And he just wouldn't do it. So, in 1996... What the... Oh, go
1: ahead. No, I'm just, like, thinking, what do you owe this person? Yeah, that you're that you're willing to go to jail for them, what or with them, when you when you can literally probably walk a free man or at least get a lighter sentence by just giving a freaking name.
0: That's all he had to do. Just
1: give a name, dude.
0: Even if he had to do what they do on the first forty-eight and give an alias, like yeah, that was uh, that was Butt Plug. He goes by Butt Plug on the streets. <laughs> It's like, all right, let's go on the computer and look up butt plug. Oh, it's Jimmy Ray.
1: Got it. Hey, I know
0: him. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man! But that's wow. what they
0: do, you know. That's what they do. Um, yeah,
1: this, is, this is shaping up to get a little weird, man.
0: Oh, it's we're at the tip of the iceberg here, bro. Like, like it's gonna get real weird fast here. Oh man. <clears throat> so he's 15 at the time. Or of the murders, he's incarcerated when, when caught when he's sixteen. It's 1998, early 1998. He goes to trial. He's not quite eighteen yet, so he's still seventeen. What do you think he gets for this sentence? Remember, he's taking the full brunt of the murders.
1: Yeah. Oh.
0: Tried as an adult.
1: Think, yeah, I would think life without parole. No. Get out of the city.
0: Shocking. He gets a 28-year sentence, and get this, on early release only, the the least amount that he has to serve of that, and that's with good behavior and everything, is, is 70%. So 21 years is the least amount that he can serve.
1: Wow.
0: And he can come up from parole and only be released in special parole after 10 years So there's a possibility if all goes extremely right He can get out in 10 years
1: So Is this guy out
0: Well let's pick it up right here
1: Oh man this is, <laughs> What the hell dude Like so, you, you literally just took the Like You literally just Like you said took the brunt of the murders mm-hmm. Like there you go Him whatever Don't yep. book. Like how do you only get 21 years dude 21 as you always say todd i want that lawyer
0: yeah exactly (laughs) and that's a public defender from from what i heard so
1: (laughs) he's a superstar
0: that's pretty good man (laughs) so um edith would have to pick up the pieces from her sister's death sarah miss sally and continue to run the snowden empire but with help from dorothy now uh, who didn't really help too much in the, in the past with the splitting up of the estate. Mm-hmm. Now they're both having to run it together at their old age. You know, they're all, like, in their 70s at this time, approaching 80. So, um, a
1: lot to do, too.
0: Oh, it is. It is. There's a lot to do right there. And they have to hire outside people. Mm-hmm. So Miss Sally had a few kids herself. And one of them is daughter Martha Carter McKay, who, you know, traveled just like her mother did, Was a, but was a free spirit and, a, and a, a very devout Buddhist. So she believed in peace and love. She believed in karma, everything. And, and, and just she had a way of living that a lot of people, either you agree with it or you disagree with it. But for the most part, she was categorized as very smart, very savvy and a very happy woman, and, um, you know, she, she cared for everybody basically. Okay. And, um, obviously, when her mother was murdered and her, you know, her uncle was murdered as well, it hurt her, but, and she was there. She came back and supported the Snowden family and was there for all the trial dates and everything. And, uh, she made her wealth, um, not really, you know, she broke away from the Snowden Empire, but she took up stuff that she learned as a kid, like taking care of and preserving rare antiques or restoring rare antiques. So she made a buttload of money on that concept. Oh, I
1: bet. I bet. Yeah. Especially back then.
0: Oh, yeah. So she was Correct so Market. She, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is pre, you know, those those shows that actually oh, yeah. hated, you know, the Antique oh, yeah. Warriors and all that. So she's making a lot of money traveling the United States and everything. But obviously, when her mom dies, her aunts are like, "Hey, you know what? We we can't handle this empire. You know, yeah. we're gonna need help from the kids." So they devise a plan, and Sally uh, Sally's daughter um, Martha winds up inheriting, uh, taking over the uh, Snowden House, and for the first few years. She is bringing in rare antiques to liven up the house even more. Um, the Snowden house had stopped, you know, for, for a year or so after the two murders. She got it re-going again. She, she restored a lot of the stuff. She brought a lot of amenities. All of a sudden, that place is popping. You know, it's popping. They're making money and everything. She turned it back into a wonderful bed. and It's never been better since Martha took over. Okay. So you would think, hey, our story's over. Happy ending, right? Right on. Nope, uh, we can't have happy endings on this show. <laughs> you just can't. Um, there was one thing that bothered the Snowden family, and that's the fact that after ten years, by this time in two thousand six, he was starting to get those first parole hearings that. he wouldn't get out because he had to fill that 70%. But if he had enough support from family and friends, maybe they could sway the judges, right? Mm -hmm. Well, everyone on the Snowden family side was against it. They spoke out. They gave their, you know, what you do at parole hearings. You give your victim statements again. You say how it's affected your life, how you can't move on. This person should stay locked up, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. The problem is... And because of her nature and her Buddhist beliefs, I'm not blaming it on the Buddhist, believe me, but I'm just saying because this was used in, and this is her family's theory, this is not mine, but the fact that she was so loving in the Buddhist teachings, she already had forgiven Travis, and she was a regular pen pal to him while he was in prison, and she was the only one that would speak in his behalf, not even his mother at his parole hearings would speak in his behalf. She was advocating for an early, early release.
1: Wow!
0: For the murder of her mother.
1: Wow!
0: <laughs> oh
1: man! So. It just keeps getting weirder and weirder.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so, so every year, or every other year, I believe they had to do it several times. The family would have to reconvene; they'd have to go through the process again. It's bringing up old wounds. And every time she was causing a rift in the family, and some of the family members got real pissed off at her because every time she was just not honoring how they felt, her mother's memory, by trying to get this guy sprung. You know? Like, the family wanted to not only him serve as 28, they wanted him to go for life. They didn't want him to get out after 28. hmm But... Martha had made some real friends in the community and and also in the law firm, and she got a lawyer, and she started advocating for his parole. And when his 21 years were up in 2019, because of her sway and the way that she advocated for this kid for so many years to get out, he got paroled, actually, I'm sorry, in 2018. Wow. So he served his 21 years and got parole.
1: Well, good for him.
0: Yeah.
1: What the hell?
0: And this really pissed off a lot of the family.
1: Oh, so, I bet. It kind of irritates me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: and, again, there was... The family had gotten over the fact that Travis's mother was still working there because they didn't blame it on her. She was a sweet old lady. Uh, she was nothing but nice. The right. community, community loved her. She just had a bad apple, right? Yeah. The problem is now people started to look at her now because Travis is home and he immediately gets a job with Martha. Martha hires him to do maintenance and cleaning at the Snowden family bed and breakfast. Straight out of jail
1: Okay <laughs> Yes What the heck Todd
0: <laughs> So picture So picture this Randy You got Again by this time It's you know like I said it's a few years ago
1: I swear if, if this goes to, If this ends with them getting married I'm walking off the stage
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I wish it went that way <laughs> Oh but, but just just check this out, though. So you have a guy who admitted to being at least there, maybe not murdering, but a lot of people believed he had a part in it. And you got several family members living on that 1,000-acre estate in different homes and different parts, and you bring Travis, the murderer, right back into the fold and against everybody's wishes. Nobody wanted this. Not even the community wanted this, the ones that weren't yeah. even Snowden's. So this was just look getting worse and worse at this time. Yeah. So we are going so we're going to go a couple maybe 3 or 4 months after his release. And at this point Martha if from an outsider looking in seems to have made the right decision because at this t- at this time, you know, before I bring up what I'm going to bring up next, Travis has been an outstanding person in the community doing whatever anyone asks him to do. Very nice, very cordial. No one's having a problem with him. They're like, well, maybe he is reformed. Maybe Martha was right. Well, maybe not so much because Miss Hutton, his mom, would come to Martha one day and say, you know what? Um, I found this in his possession, which was drug paraphernalia. And she said, I think my son is on either methamphetamines now cocaine uh, but i know he's doing he's doing at least marijuana i you know i found this this and that and i think he's on some higher stuff because I, i'm seeing him he's he's lashing out he's not good at home i'm thinking of kicking him out and this just goes over martha's head wow she's like oh you just don't understand him you know like uh, over the years i've talked to him more than you have and you know, you just—I I need to give him. I'll talk to him. Trust me. Don't worry, Miss Huntington. i will will t- talk to him. And Miss Huntington's like, you know, I, look, I love you. I love your mom. Just please be careful and limit your time around my son. He's—he, trust me. I know my son. He's just unstable right now. Went right over her head. Right over her head.
1: Uh oh. It's not starting to sound good now.
0: Exactly. So. It's now March 23rd of 2020, so uh, this is at the very start of COVID, Mm -hmm. and a couple days prior to this, on March 21st, Martha had just sold a vintage restored chandelier from the turn of the century on auction in New York, and she had just returned from New York. She made $10,000 from that sale. Nice. Nice. 10,000 on a chandelier that's not bad
1: that's crazy
0: and uh so she comes back and um she lets you know miss hutton know that she came up with Mm $10,000 and that she's gonna put it in the safe and then come Monday morning she's gonna drop it off at the bank and uh you know put it put it in safekeeping but right now it's just up in her in the master room and the actual um snowden house and uh the only one that overhears that is Travis. Uh, hmm. So the next day, she goes to retrieve the 10000 so that she can take it and deposit it in the bank. And unfortunately, it's not there. And obviously, the number one suspect, now she all of a sudden feels okay. I think he's, he's done something. And she finds out that Through Miss Hutton when she calls Mrs. Hutton, that Travis has been on a bender. He's been he's been uh, he bought a lot of drugs, and she puts two and two together. Like, you know, I I think he took the money. Mm -hmm. So she's heartbroken. She's upset. She's pissed. She's everything. And
1: um, well, the mom tried to warn you.
0: Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) So now we have another date. Oh,
1: shoot.
0: It's March 25th, 2020. A call goes out. and by this time, it's it's 2020, so now you have a few police officers now working the, the horseshoe area. Barney <laughs> has arrived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, war cops now. Uh, no, but you, you got some police there and the fire department not too far, so it's mm-hmm. it, it's coming up a little bit. So March 25th, 2020. Uh, there is a alarm that goes to the police and fire department. There's a life alert. Uh, you, you remember those things where they had those infomercials where they put this little like necklace around the old people. Oh yeah. And, and if you if you press it, you know, it, it, like it, it's, it's sort of like if you're having a stroke or a seizure, and you're basically nine one
1: one at the press of a button.
0: Exactly. It looks like a garage door opener around yep. your neck. Yeah, it's...
1: the old help! I phone and I can't get up.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's just it's just one of those things. If if you're not familiar with it, look up Life Alert, and mm-hmm. the, basically that. It's like three buttons: fire, you know, uh, ambulance, or police, or you could just press them all at once. And either someone calls you, or they just up and show up. So you better not press a button by accident, or like. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's, his his uh, grandson was just pressing all the buttons. All of a sudden, here comes all this fire department and police department.
1: <laughs> yeah. I th- yeah, I think that's what it was for. You know, basically just a bypass, you know, if somebody's in, in dire danger, it's like, hey, they don't got time to talk to anybody. Click, boom, GPS location, everybody's there.
0: Absolutely. I, I can awesome.
1: only imagine, uh, those, yeah, those started like way back in the day. I can imagine the technology they have on them now.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Those were the 80s, so. Yeah. I don't know. What this one was this was 2020, so I don't think it looked like a garage door opener. I think you're right. I think it was more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. But the point is, it was a, it was pressed. So yep. the police are the first ones to get out there, and right. so so they they rush to the scene. It's at the Snowden house, so they're thinking, okay, you know, you know how it is. I mean, you can't get around it. If it's a tourist attraction, they make that more of a priority, right? You know, so so they're there fast. And um, the fire department's not too far behind. And they see smoke coming from a room. And uh, so so the police automatically, they use that as probable cause. Hey, we got to break down that front door. We got to, you know, so let's so they kick in the front door. They get inside and they see uh, towards the back of the house a, uh, a black man look at them and he has like a bag. He drops it and then he just jumps out the window. And so right away, the two police officers give chase. And uh, he jumps into the backyards, you know, beautiful backyard. There's one of those, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like an all-terrain vehicle like you would have like on those estates, you know, they have no no doors. It looks like a golf cart, but souped up. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he jumps into one of those and he takes off. So then one of the cops, you know, goes around, gets his squad car and... Just picture this on a, on one of those notebook style, farm home style, ranch style mansion, and with all that land around it, they're just driving through the freshly cut grass. A cop car chasing this like you know souped up golf cart, you know, is racing through the the estate, and uh, so they're giving chase. Another cop car shows up and starts going, and then another cop car pulls up and with the fire department and they go into the home searching for other people or if anyone's hurt. And as they're doing that, they're giving chase to this guy, it turns into a you know, a 5-minute chase. He starts headed towards the lake. He's running out of room and you know, he's not going to get past these cops, so he just decides to bail. He jumps out, jumps into the water and starts like trying to get away to the other side of the lake because he knows that there's no, the, the cops can't if he can make it to the other side of the shore, there's nothing but forest. And but the problem is, this lake is from where he jumped in, it's like another 200 300 yards. Oh, shit. so That's how the hell are you gonna make it? <laughs> <laughs> but if he but if he makes it, you know, there's a good chance he could hide out or get away, maybe, right? Yep, and uh, so he's trying to make his way into the water. The police are shouting at him, they're like, Hey, get get back in here. They don't want to give chase because they don't want to drown in a struggle. Uh, they're looking for a boat that they can get out there or something, right? And as they're trying to do that, they see him dip below the water.
1: Oh, shoot.
0: And and this is, again, this is towards the evening time. And they're not able to, you know, the sun's going down, but they're the flashlights are out there. They can't see him rising above. So they call for a helicopter, more additional police from other counties. They start coming in there. As they're all trying to organize that, the two police officers go in there and they put out the fire in the back room. They find two big sacks of all these heirlooms and gold and other expensive antiques and some jewelry. And as they go upstairs to where the famous like swirl stairs are, like, beautiful, is Martha's body. She had been stabbed several times and her throat slashed. Oh, man. And bludgeoned as well. She was rolled up, 63-year-old Martha Carter McKay, rolled up in a carpet. And right away, they figured the murder had already took place, the fire had already started, and he was trying to move the body to the fire, and I think when he had wrapped her up he accidentally pressed her life alert
1: oh shoot
0: so she didn't get off her life alert he did on accident sort of calling the police on himself
1: so he's going to try to burn this body too
0: this is deja vu bro 39 year old Travis Lewis he did it would be found dead in the in the uh, lake uh, a day later They found his body. He was... When they did search and rescue, uh, he drowned. And... Deja... Yeah, the undercurrent got him. And he couldn't swim. But he gave it a shot. Man. And... um, When he was... When they did the autopsy on him, they found methamphetamine and marijuana in his system. So... He... Killed her mother twenty four years prior, and then off her. So after she him. gets him out of prison, after she gets him out of prison, twenty four years later, um, they would found they would find some of the ten thousand dollars when they searched his his property afterwards. Um, the police would say that this was a revenge killing because she had fired him a couple days prior for stealing the 10,000, she was, yeah. And he went on a bender and they just got upset and took her life. And, uh, after killing her uncle and her mom, 24 years later, he would kill her. And it's crazy because the last thing on this story, before I get your thoughts and everything else, The Snowden family is in a disarray to this day as far as what they're going to do with the property. It's no longer a tourist destination. It's been closed down since 2020 of the murder. Mm -hmm. And on the Facebook page, if you look up the Snowden house, it has all these events that took prior place and how lavish it is and extravagant. And, you know, Martha's pictures up there as a curator and everything's all great. And then you start to see the the reviews after and the postings after, and it's like, well, I wouldn't stay there anymore. Three people died there, and, and people are like, "What?" You know. And then, and then also like, you try to like get in contact with them. The website's been pulled down. You know, it's it's literally that heirloom, that beautiful property is just sitting there. It's been wow. sitting there for, for now, going on four years. So. Um, that's that's the story of the deja vu killings on Horseshoe Lake.
1: Wow, and they never, they never figured out the, the second set of prints, huh?
0: Nope, they've never found out the second who the second person is. Uh, those fingerprints were never on any uh, the CODIS or anything else like that, any database. So they were figuring it was probably another teenager, but whoever it was got away with it.
1: Man, that's crazy i always wondered what goes through a person's mind as they as they venture through the rest of their life free as a bird after getting away with murder you, there's no you can't tell me there's no way that's constantly on their mind every second of every day even looking over their shoulders wondering if they're gonna get caught
0: it, that's, you, that's a so.
1: way to live, excuse my language
0: no, no, you're you're good. I mean, like <laughs> I mean that's a, that's a that's a good um analogy right there. I mean, like what, what would you what would you do if you had did something like thirty years prior?
1: And I can and I was gotten away with it? Yeah. Probably just like what I said, like I, I would I would it would be on my mind every day, every second. I would probably be looking over my shoulder wondering, Am I gonna get caught? Is this the day, you know, I'm going to prison or whatever my Gonna get the death penalty, like, like it. Like I can only imagine. I mean, unless you are a serial killer, which doesn't sound like this guy is. It just sounds like he was just effed in the head, and then, like you said, this this last one was a revenge killing. Mm-hmm. Like, so I wouldn't say it doesn't sound like he l- likes to murder people. It just sounds like that's just what happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can.
1: I, I can only imagine. Like that has to killing somebody has to take something out of somebody, at least a little bit out of you. Like, uh, like a part of your soul has to die.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, it like
1: would it, me, it would eat at me. I would probably, I'd probably kill my damn self.
0: Well, uh, the thing is, when we did the story on the um, Golden State Killer, you know, back in the day, uh, a couple years ago like he had fully like it was still like things that were on his mind it was like you said he was waiting to see if they would actually catch him but he didn't think they would because dna had come a long way but they just had never tried that kind of dna the whole reverse genealogy Mm -hmm. so i can imagine there was a lot of people if they're still alive like because it it seems like every other day they're catching a, a you know a case or they're solving a case from 30, 40 years ago where a yeah. guy is either alive or he's dead already, but they know who it is. So, um, but yeah. For some,
1: people, for some people, you know, going all that long, and if they enjoyed it, they're probably laughing the whole way. <laughs> I got away with sucker.
0: Yeah, and that's the worst part of it, huh? Yeah. It's this like, one was
1: just. This was just weird because what was the motivation to ki- to kill The aunt and the uncle twenty four years ago. Like, like this one was all, like you said, a, a revenge killing. I mean, it was just wrong place, wrong time. Just trying to rob the place, and you were there, sh- there maybe to try and stop us. And yeah, that's not happening because we're not going to prison. So bye, bang, bang.
0: That's that was the the way the police felt. They felt yeah. it was just a robbery gone wrong. They weren't yeah. expecting both of them to be there. But now, this one... you,
1: that second set of prints, like, dude, that bothers me, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's exactly... get away with some of that crap. Even if you didn't, even if you were if you were just in the getaway car, bro. Like the fact that you're going to get away with that. Hopefully, oh, I... they died along the way.
0: <laughs> and, well, and here's the thing, too, bro. I mean, like, what bothered me about this one, too, is the fact that okay, someone's head went off that windshield. Yeah. So wouldn't it make sense to to if if you're gonna say okay it's got to be another black guy if you're gonna you know profile like that wouldn't you look for a young black kid with a head injury you know what i mean there was nothing in any of the reports that they were vigorously looking at that angle first like that that's where i would have looked
1: i'd be talking to everybody that that dude knew
0: yeah exactly i anyone that's even talked to him would be like hey you know we have got to question this guy they went after the wrong way, the wrong guy right away, uh, Edric, uh, who had nothing to do... He didn't even know Travis in a small town. So, like, so they went after the wrong kid first, and then they went after Travis, but Travis was staying loyal to whoever this friend was. and Didn't say... I mean, he put the blame on the guy for making the murder, but he didn't say who it was.
1: I mean... yeah, Most... I mean, I would feel like if you're not if you're not going to give out a name, like that's got to like something tells me that that person has some kind of clout. Like, is it if it was, if if you're just robbing the place or whatever with just a budget, it with just a nobody or some Joe Schmo, whoever the hell, like I'd be like, all right, yeah, that fool, he was part of it. He even he even he even did the murders. Mm-hmm. But if you're not like if you're not willing to give a name, like some some somebody somebody with some clout was with them. Some, some maybe, maybe maybe it was an initiation type deal, and then maybe maybe they're like, "Nah, nah, this has gone wrong. We're gone." And so if he if he if he gets picked up, it takes the blame. This on him.
0: Yeah, you never know because that was something that happened a lot in the in the late nineties. You know, even in the south. So. Maybe he um, thought
1: he could get another chance, to, because maybe that was something he wanted to do. Maybe he wanted to be part of something, and he just wasn't like, "When I get out of here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back to it." I ain't so. I ain't gonna give no name. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show him I'm loyal.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, what,
1: that's what that's what not giving a damn name tells me, bro.
0: True, because I mean that's not the culture of that area. You know that area. You know, even though though you know the the black families that live over there have a lot of money, or at least have money, so. They're they're well to do, like the Hutton family. You know, his his family wasn't poverty at all. You know, so you know where was this coming from? You know, his mom had worked for the Snowdens. His mom's mom worked for the Snowdens, so they were making good money over there. So this wasn't one of those things where it's the haves and the haves nots, and he's got to be jealous. You know, uh, they were. He was given a good education too. Uh, That area had nice schools, so um, it's it's just an overall weird. Situation, you know, in a weird how how everything played out, and then just the ultimate irony of him killing the daughter years later.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is this is one of those weird stories, dude. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of holes in it. Still, mm. you know what I mean? Those yeah, holes. A lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of unsolved mysteries. Is <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah there's a lot of um, a lot of things where you can give your own theories about it because mm-hmm. like you said, you know like we don't know the second person from the first murders. He didn't really come clean with everything. Uh, he's not admitting guilt as far as the actual murders but putting himself there with the bodies and the because and the, I think that's why probably he didn't get life. Um, and and then you look at you know yeah. he died in the process of the murder. In the second one, so you can't interview him to truly know if it was a revenge killing, if it, if she just happened to stumble on him when he was robbing the place because he clearly was,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so there's just a lot of holes, man. Like you said, uh, but it but it just it just sucks how it how it happened. And now a once beautiful estate is quiet now, and that whole area is not the same. Has not been the same since the the last murder here,
1: and the whole family's gone now, right?
0: Pretty much are split up. They're doing their own thing. You know what I mean? I
1: would, I, would, I mean, after all that crap, I mean, I'm surprised they don't just bulldoze and just get rid of it. It's like, oh, you know what? There's just too much bad juju with that place. Get rid of it.
0: And unfortunately, you're absolutely right. If, if you look up what people say about it, they're saying that there's something there. So, who knows?
1: Old Civil War grounds, right?
0: Exactly, it's it's right for that kind of stuff. Boy,
1: you you mentioned that at the beginning of the show, bro.
0: All that paranormal stuff. Who knows?
1: Maybe 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 in that area, just drives some people mad. Never know. That's crazy, bro. That is that's a yeah. That is a weird story. You know, like I said, a lot of holes still to this day in it that'll probably just will stay like that. Swiss cheese
0: yeah because is I just did uh finish the research last week on this story and I was looking everywhere to see if there's any kind of plans for the property at least the Snowden house there's nothing there's there's nothing no outside developer or someone that wants to reinvent it nothing so it's just laid that big chunk of the estate's laying dormant still and I think that brought a lot of tourism to Horseshoe Lake because they had a lot of stuff for you to do on the on the lake because of the Snowden House. So that whole town has suffered.
1: I mean, somebody wants to do something with it and make some money with it. I mean, the guy who cre- who you know, obviously was involved in the murders, was gone.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: but I, I can understand just like. If I was the family, I just, I would just, I wouldn't want nothing to do with it at this point. i just like, it's too much bad, too many bad memories. We lost our aunt and uncles. We lost a, a sister or whatever in that place. Like, no, just, 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 just knock it the hell down. Yeah. Like, what the, what, what, like, what's the point? I mean, every time you go there, all you're, all you're ever going to think about is what happened in that place.
0: One of, one of the, uh, granddaughters was very vocal. She said, that Martha was very stubborn, and that's what were what her downfall was. She was too loving and too stubborn, actually. And she just said that I'm glad that my grandma and my uh, I forget what that would be for her, her great aunt, were not alive because Edith and Dorothy, who were Sally's sisters, including their brother, they all had passed on by the time uh, Martha was murdered. Like I think. Dorothy died a year prior to uh, Martha's demise. So they would have been even more appalled and upset that they lost their, uh, their niece to that too. So, um, she was saying that's a, at least that's the saving grace because they were too, uh, you know, they were upset the entire time that Martha kept pushing and they were warning her too, that this might blow up in your face. And, uh, it did.
1: Sometimes, I mean, just there's people out there like that, man. They're just so loving, so caring that they're blinded. They're blind. It literally blinds them from anything, and it just unfortunately, in this case, comes back to bite you in the butt.
0: Correct. A but
1: good story. I mean, terrible what happened, but that was that was a that was a that was a good mystery.
0: Yeah, and we'll have. Uh, some more We may have you on The pinch hit again If you, hey. if you have the opportunity
1: Call me the G.O. Or show of the G.T.C., babe Come on, let's go <laughs>
0: <laughs> Appreciate it, Randy And uh, if there's anything else You want to plug on here Before we get out of here
1: No, I mean I Like you said Just, you know You follow me You find us At the One Jets pod If you're a Jets fan If you like football You know, just Want to come out Hang out and have fun Bull crap with us You know, you find us on there You know Maybe during baseball season, you catch me uh, hanging out with Heidi here and there. You'll definitely uh, see me on Catella Chronicles with our good buddy Dominic Lorenz. So I'm kind of all over the place, you know. So uh, any any chance you just want to come by, say hi, just you know, shoot the crap with me. You know, I'm always willing. So uh, come on by.
0: And he likes the true crime. That's why we have him on here too. Yeah, Tom yeah, got me
1: into it with all this stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, He's found some cases, uh, too, and, and uh, that he's been interested in, and he loves listening to the show, so we always appreciate his work as well, um, not only just being a, a listener but also helping us out with the shows. He's done a lot of great work. So with that being said, uh, if you want to catch us, just look us up on any uh, additional episodes that we have coming up here around the corner. Also, a uh, shout-out to Matt and Gabby. Hopefully they'll be back in the mix pretty soon here. And uh, we'll be getting back to doing some lives, uh, hopefully, by the end of the month. Uh, So we have that coming down the pipe and also the merchandise, like I said earlier in the show. For March, we'll be getting going with some new stuff, new items. You can find that over at Etsy for now until we get a website. And uh, I think that's about it. So uh, for Todd Fox and Randy Oz, we'll see you next time.
1: See you guys.